I chose William Peace University because of the small class sizes. I feel that you get more one-on-one -on -one time with teachers, with class sizes like about 16 per teacher. You can really get that one-on-one -on -one help a lot of students need. A 12 to one student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Kane's Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Hey, it's Adam Gold, and welcome to the Kane's Corner Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our last episode with Brett Pesci. Hope to bring you more players uh, and other dignitaries in the near future as we uh, kind of wait all of this out. As a uh, point of news today, the National Hockey League uh, had a meeting, I guess, and Gary Bettman is not 100% sure that they're going to be able to complete the season, which I think is the responsible thing for him to say. And he went on to say, look, uh, none of our none of the sports leagues have any idea what's going to happen. Uh, they're probably preparing for all, all scenarios, which may include the return of the season at some point. Who knows? Um, kind of all depends on how good a job we do with the social distancing and staying at home and blah, 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 blah. Uh, to that end, uh, we'll have a discussion today with the uh, the News and Observer columnist editor, Luke Tacock, who's covered the Hurricanes for a long, long time. Uh, he and I are friends, and we'll cover as much ground as we can we will deal with social distancing. We'll deal with the uh, the pandemic and how it's impacted sports, obviously. Um, we'll talk about the time of the year. We'll talk about the playoffs a year ago. Uh, we'll even, you know, delve a little bit into the future and how this team is set up for uh, the years to come. And I think it's uh, pretty self-explanatory, if you will. If you're a Hurricanes fan, uh, if you're a Hurricanes fan, you like the future. Uh, in the future, likely would have been another playoff spot this year. Second uh, second straight year, and the first time since 2002, they would have made the playoffs in successive seasons. I believe they would have made the playoffs. No idea if they would have done any damage in them, but I think they would have made it in, and all you, all you ask for is a shot. They got a shot last year uh, as the first wild card, made it to the conference finals this year. I think would have been the first wild card again uh, and likely would have had another shot at Washington and maybe it would have gone the same way. I don't hate the matchup against Washington. I don't think Washington's goaltending in Braden Holtby is all that great. And uh, Carolina could have matched him in that department possibly again. And maybe Carolina would have advanced one more time. Who knows? It's all speculative. Uh, but this is the time of the year where we should have been dealing with playoffs. As a matter of fact, as this was recorded on Tuesday, April 7th, tomorrow likely would have been the first day of the playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, as it stands now, we are probably, even in best-case scenario, six weeks away from the season resuming in some way, shape, or form. Uh, real quick, if they were to resume the regular season, 
if they could get to a completion, and we're in a minimum of two months away from that. So let's just say that they were able to resume the season, uh, maybe with no fans in the stands, which is uh, a different conversation altogether, and we'll talk about that with uh, with Luke DeCock. Um, they have to figure out what the best way is to determine who the playoff teams are. The, you can't simply go points. Some teams have played more than others more games than others, so you can't just do that. Uh, is it even fair to do point percentage? I'm not even sure it's fair to do point percentage, to be honest. You'd have to look at games remaining against competition. Maybe some teams have played a more difficult schedule. Uh, so my guess is that there would have been some expanded playoff field, uh, and that brings with it its own set of circumstances. Anyway, uh, that's just uh, goofing around at this point. So we'll bring you our conversation with Luke Takak. Uh, and uh, again, we covered a, a lot of ground. And uh, last time I saw Luke, it was at the ACC tournament in Greensboro before they shut it down. And we'll start with uh, what's he been doing since. So Luke Takak, how are you socially distancing from the Hurricanes? Uh, the same, the same way I'm socially distancing from everybody. Uh, you know, it's funny. My routine hasn't changed a ton. I, I, I work from home anyway. And, you know, what's missing is the practices and the press conferences and the games. And normally March into April and potentially into May be my busiest months of the year. And I would rarely be home. And so I'm always home. But uh, it, it hasn't. It hasn't been a huge change sort of in my getting up and going about my business routine. Uh, the big change is, has really been just the lack of things to cover. But, right. you know, we've obviously we've obviously stayed busy. Um, I'm surprised, actually, going back to sort of the, the Thursday of the ACC tournament when everything shut down, uh, how much sports news there has been. Um, and that's without even getting into the Panthers, who seem to be, you know, single-handedly supporting about a third of the sports media in the state of North Carolina by doing something pretty much every day. Um, and the hurricanes, you know, in their own way have contributed as well. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it feels weird. Uh, you know, this is not a month typically, uh, you know, March and April where I would be doing a ton of hockey way because, you know, ACC tournament, to NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, the final four, I would have flown back from Atlanta today. Um, and then you know, jumped right back into hockey like, like we did last year and, and, uh, and gotten into the, the postseason and ran that as long as it goes. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's been different. Uh, there's no question, but I think everybody probably feels that way, as do you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's – there's so much weird. And it, I, I want to have a conversation about um, essentially what we are – what some people and what the leagues, if you think about it, are – are, are, are going to demand of athletes over the next, maybe not within the next two months, but beyond that, um, and some of the ridiculous, in my opinion, um, requirements they're going to put on them. But we'll get to that in a minute. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, according to our friends at the, uh, and I'm not saying that you're friends, and I'm using the word friends loosely, um, at the Athletic, the Hurricanes would have made the playoffs Essentially on the number, Dom decision of the athletic. They did their uh, whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of things, and 
Uh, they put the uh, they the Hurricanes beat the Bruins in the final day of the season. That was been kind of therapeutic uh, to kind of follow them. I actually have more enjoyed the the Canes themselves doing the EA NHL nineteen, um, actually playing the games out on the video game. Of course, Carolina kicked everybody's ass uh, on the video game because I think the uh, they they said it that way. Um, but I do think that we would have had a playoff series and. I'm, I kind of feel, I mean, it's a bummer that this this would have been the first time since 2002 the Hurricanes made the playoffs in successive seasons. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of feel cheated that we didn't get that. I, there's no doubt in my mind, regardless of, you know, whatever projections people are doing, the way that they had started playing when things shut down, um, that they were going to make the playoffs. You know, that that they were just, it seemed like, after a season where they took so long to find any kind of real groove and never really recaptured the identity that they'd had last year, you know, even when they were playing well, it wasn't the same. You and I both know that. Right. That it felt like in late February, into early March, that was kind of starting to happen uh, a little bit, at least in a promising way. And certainly the results were there at that point. So it did feel like, things had started to move in the direction that everyone kind of had been waiting, uh, you know, three, four months for them to move. And, and obviously there's a lot of moving parts there and, you know, Justin Williams coming back and having to learn to play without Hamilton, without Pesci and all mm-hmm. those things. I mean, there's, there's so many moving parts there, but it did feel going into that Jersey game that never happened, uh, that, that things were moving in the right direction. So there was no doubt in my mind, you know, as of Wednesday, March 11th, whatever it was, that the hurt, you know, and I was planning mentally for, you know, what was going to happen after the final four and into the first round of the playoffs, which, you know, as you pointed out, is not something we've, we've had around here in a while. Um, and I think, you know, it, 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 they were in the position that most teams that are a seven or eight seed are going to be in is, is if your goalie gets hot, you know, you've got a chance to, mm-hmm. to do some damage. And it certainly felt like they put themselves in a position where, you know, if they could get going, you know, maybe get Dougie back, maybe not. Um, that things were starting to move in their direction for the first time in a while. And of course, then, you know, all of life shuts down. And next thing you know, they've got two people self-quarantined on the plane on their way home. So uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it, obviously the, the, the tiny violins are not playing for the hurricanes here. It's a much bigger problem. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think those projections are probably pretty indicative of the way that I felt things were headed. Um, and yeah, it, it does feel like we've been deprived something in part because, you know, when you when you go 10 years without covering a playoff series, then you cover three in one year and they have all of the the drama. I mean, maybe not the Islanders series, but but certainly the Capital series and the Bruin series had all the drama and bile mm-hmm. and, um, you know, everything that you expect, the kind of stuff that lingers the next year and next years in some cases, uh, you know, that that, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is what I remember. And, and you know, I mean, this. This job in its all of its forms, whether it's writing or TV or radio, it can be a grind at times. And, and that can be a long grind going from, you know, five weeks of basketball where you're on the road mm-hmm. and going right into a playoff series. But but it, it is kind of why you do this and you do enjoy that adrenaline. And last year, I mean, I, I people in the media know this, but I came out of the final four with a pinched nerve in my neck that I couldn't fly. Um, I couldn't do anything. And I was still, you know. We were driving up to DC for games one and two and, and game five, and then 
by the time we had to fly up for game seven, because we didn't know if we'd have to go straight to New York or not. Right. Um, I was, I was kind of in a position where I could actually stand upright. Uh, but you know, it was one of the worst times of my life health wise. And you just kind of have to put that aside, whether you're at the final four or, or the hurricanes capital series and just dig in and do it because you know, it doesn't get any bigger than that. I, I remember the 2011 all-star game. Um, I had maybe the worst flu I've ever had in my mm-hmm. life. Um, and, and, you know, I was writing four stories a day and covering everything. It just sort of, you know, it was like, for me, it was like the Jordan flu game where you were just going to power through it. I probably looked like, Fred so you Boyd, were hung over. No, it was, it was <laughs> legit. And I, I went to the, I went to the, the big gala NHL banquet at the convention center. Right. Probably, probably gave the flu to half of the NHL, um, <laughs> that night. But, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was, there were certain times during that weekend where I felt absolutely at, at about 1%. And uh, and probably looked like Hoiberg, but uh, so yeah, so you know, you do you do feel deprived of sort of something that, like, let's face it, the, the regular season. It's the same for us as it is as it is for fans. The regular season, an eighty-two game regular season plus preseason plus training camp, it drags on. Woo. Yeah, no, there's no question. So, uh, first of all, good uh, good shot at Fred Hoiberg there, Nebraska basketball Not coach. Not a shot. I wrote about it. You can read my column about <laughs> Bobby Lutz sitting next to Fred Hoiberg on the bench where it looked like he was dying of coronavirus, even though he didn't have it. I And that, you know, now this is not a hockey conversation, but to me, that happening that Wednesday night after Rudy Gobert had tested mm-hmm. positive in the NBA shutdown, that, I wrote this, it felt like the opening scenes of like a Michael Crichton disaster movie where here is like, the guy, like, here's where it gets real. With right. Hoiberg wiping his forehead and hunched over on the bench, and then the Big Ten pulls him off the bench, and they quarantine the team in the locker room. It just felt like the beginning of outbreak or something. All right, so I don't. By the way, Luke Takak of the News and Observer is here uh, on the uh, Canes Corner podcast. So I don't know if it what it says about our relationship or your ability to play through pain. I had no clue that you had a pinched nerve and you were in such physical duress. Uh, otherwise, as a as as a uh, as a friend, I would have expressed my own concern uh, for you. Um, but let's set that aside for a second. Yeah, you got to com- play hurt, Adam. I, I think understand. Is what this boils down to yeah, you got to play hurt. I'm concerned in retrospect now. Uh, <laughs> but going back to uh, to that Boston series, and there's two things about it. Uh, one, and we could talk about this at some point or not. I did find the deliciousness of. Uh, the recent broadcaster, local broadcaster rankings with John Forslund and Trip Tracy being number one and Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley being number 31 uh, <laughs> to be just absolutely fantastic. Because uh, honestly, you can't be 32nd, although you should be eligible if you're Jack Edwards. And this is nothing against Andy Brickley, who I happen to like. Yeah, yeah. No, um, Brick is great. Unfortunately a- for Andy Brickley. Um, but I wonder what, you know, we, we have done a lot of what ifs over the last two or three weeks, man, if they had just held the lead in game one, because I thought that was the game where they were better than Boston. Yeah, no, I agree completely that they let the, I, the and I think I wrote this after game one, that they basically had let the series slip away. Right. Um, I'm not sure I wrote the series, but they definitely let game one slip through their fingers. Uh, there's no question about that. Um yeah, I agree completely. They, I, uh, I, I want to go back now and, and look up my column because I feel like I could just, you know, cite some parts of that because I think we all walked away feeling that way. Yeah. That, oh, if they play like this, this is going to be a series. Like, you go back to, like, the Buffalo series in 06, there were games where Buffalo outplayed them and lost. There were games where they outplayed, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, you, you, that's part of the rhythm of a playoff series. And you lose the first game on the road. It's usually not a huge deal if you play well because you say, OK, we can get back on the horse. You know, we play like that. We'll be fine. What was weird and part of it was goaltending. There's no question about it. What was weird was the Hurricanes complete and utter inability to get back to that game. Right. In the next in the rest of the series, because the game they played in game one, it might not have won them the series. But it was they, they, they were going to not get swept mm-hmm. playing like that four games. And and yeah, I, it was such a strange drop off. And I think what happens is and looking back and, and maybe this is 2020 hindsight, which is fair. When you when you've been grinding as hard as they had. And they, you know, things had come easy for them against the Islanders. And then you hit that little bump in the road against the Bruins in game one where you feel like you played well enough to win and didn't. You know, maybe that's the point where the tank is just empty, um, especially without Van Riemsdyk, who had been so good um, in, against the Capitals and then into the Islanders series before he gets hurt. Like, he he was a revelation. And people, I think, forget that because it, it he, so much gets lost in the uh, three rounds of the playoffs. But mm-hmm. Van Riemsdyk was terrific. Yeah. Um, especially at a time where, where, quite frankly, Dougie Hamilton was not playing particularly well. No, people forget uh, that. Know, people forget the that Capital series. Yeah. Falk and Pesci were their best defensive pair in the first two rounds of the playoffs. I mean, maybe for the entirety of the playoffs, that sure. though, that pairing was their best defensive pair because Dougie was in some ways, not in some ways, he was kind of a liability. And yeah. it just wasn't his finest moment. Now, the Dougie Hamilton we had seen uh, this year until the injury in Columbus was a complete different player, a 180 from uh, from those days. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that at that point, Hamilton was not great. But you're right, Van Reem's like until the injury um, that he suffered. In, uh, he was absolutely tremendous. Yeah, yeah. All right, and I'll... you know the, the 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 play he gets hurt on, you know, is just one of those. It's not not his fault. It's just one of those errors where you know Cal Clutterbuck gets a run right. from the blue line and no one picks him up, and that. Little things like that, when coaches, you know, talk about the details and the little things, not slowing him down, not getting in his way, um, you know, knocked out probably their third best defenseman at that point. And then, you know, you don't have him against the Bruins and, and everything's, you know, steamrolls on you. So it all adds up. And, uh, you know, I think that when you look at all those little things adding up, that's why playing so well in game one against the Bruins and coming away with nothing just kind of stuck. I mean, they even stole that one. Yeah, they, you know, they 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 didn't steal games two, three, or four. No, they they you they could have stolen that one. I actually think the Islanders probably felt that way against the Hurricanes. Uh, they probably outplayed Carolina in game one of their of that series as yeah. well. But yeah. Carolina ended up uh, ended up winning it. And then at that point, uh, I think the Hurricanes just knew that they were going to win uh, that series, and they just had a mental edge over the Islanders. Let me ask you about, uh, about this. This is a serious matter I want to get to, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, but, uh, Chip Alexander wrote about it a couple of weeks ago, uh, about the economics of what is happening based on the pandemic, uh, and no business, uh, coming into the arena, concerts canceled, any other events canceled, no games, obviously. Um, and that Chip wrote, which, as it turns out, a uh, pretty accurate piece regarding the team, essentially, although I don't know that he mentioned that the team would let the government pay for uh, the employees, although the team will make up whatever difference and would make uh, you know loans available for, uh, for any gap, and they would 
continue on, uh, you know, benefits and things like that. But Chip took a, took a lot of heat for, you know, writing a piece that turned out to be right. So, yeah, and, and part of that was, you know, what, as we talked about on your show a couple of days after that, you know, when, when we, we had the email they sent to employees. Right. And the email was pretty clear. Use up your vacation. If you don't have vacation, it's unpaid time off. And here are instructions for applying for unemployment. Right. And, you know, then they went on, you know, we tried, as you and I talked about, we tried several times to get anyone from the franchise to talk. They were aware it was coming, um, you know, and, and when it, when that story broke, they were really unhappy. And because they said, well, either they backtracked or it was a very poorly written email, but they were out spinning almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, you know, accused us of getting it wrong when the reality is we quoted the email, which was correct. So, you know, it, 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 it's disappointing that they wouldn't, I want to be careful what I say here. (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll say this. What we wrote is what's turned out to happen. Employees are now furloughed with benefits and they're allowed to apply for the government relief, um, for Corona COVID furloughed employees. Um, you know, the, uh, they the hurricanes said after in the email saying employees without vacation would be given unpaid time off. They said, no, no, we'll take care of those, whatever it was, five or six employees. Um, you know, that certainly wasn't an email. If, as I told you on the air, if that if our story meant five or six people got a paycheck that week who weren't going to get a paycheck, you know, then I feel pretty yeah. good about that. And I'm a little dis, you know disappointed, I guess, in that the hurricanes um, so assiduously jumped out and started spinning and accusing us of getting it wrong when they still haven't been able to tell us what we got wrong. No, yeah, no, again, as, as I said, ultimately you guys got it right. And I mean, and, and I followed that up with my own story and, ta- and my conversation with Tom Dundon, the owner, uh, ultimately, uh, they were going to make up whatever difference the government didn't cover. Um, so, uh, the, all the people in what, 55% of their full-time employees, which is roughly 80 people, I guess, um, will be, uh, everybody will get whatever monies they were going to earn. They will get that. Uh, who knows how long that's going to go on for, uh, because yeah. we don't know what ultimately how long this is going to last. I mean, if, if they can't have uh, concerts and other events in the arena until September, uh, then that might change. I don't know the answer to that. And Tom Dundon also allowed that he didn't know the answer to that. Uh, but ultimately, um, those people for right now will get will, will get their money. Uh, it'll just come from a different source. Uh, but again, as a furloughed employee, as so many people in the newspaper industry know, uh, furloughed employees remain employees, so you stay on benefits. And in this time... Uh, the most appropriate. I want to move on. I want to get a couple of more things before uh, before I have to say goodbye to you. Um, and this is where I, I I have a hard time balancing the the need for optimism and things that will make us happy, like games, uh, and Sports. then the yeah. right then the realism of man. We are living in a time where people are dying. This is not the flu. Uh, this is way worse, more deadly. There is no vaccine. We don't know of a cure at this point in spite of what people uh, are hoping for. We don't know that we have a cure. 
So the NHL is talking about uh, different locales in <laughs> North Dakota. The NBA was talking about bringing everybody to Orlando. Major League Baseball said we can bring everybody to Arizona. The PGA Tour is going to play in June without fans. Are we? Ju- are, are athletes? Are they just carbon life forms, or are they actual people? Yeah, you know, it's like I can't remember which NFL owner said it back in the '60s. We're the ranchers, and they're the cattle. Right. Um, you know, it's always been the attitude in pro sports. And, you know, I, I think Ray Ratto actually wrote a really good column about this today, about how ludicrous this stuff is and this sort of panic among pro sports leagues to figure out some way to start making money. And it's not just pro sports leagues. I mean, like Dana White now has this private island in the <laughs> UFC. It's right. like a combination of, of Lord of the Flies and Hunger Games and um, most dangerous game where he's going to have, you know, death matches on this Island. Um, it's ludicrous because all it takes is one positive test to blow any of these scenarios apart. Right. You know, you want to quarantine all of major league baseball in Phoenix. Um, and one guy tests positive and, you know, you got to shut it down and you want to send, you know, a quarter of the NHL, you know, send the, you know, four teams to grand forks that play the first two rounds of the playoffs. Um, you know, all it takes is one positive test and the right. whole thing's done. And and why would you I, I just I, I think it's an attempt, you know, like they're like the sports leagues call with the president. It's an attempt to kind of generate some sort of hope or optimism, but just from a a purely practical uh, you know, just just the, the reality of it is we may not have college football or the NFL this fall. Right. Because you've got to either have a vaccine or a treatment before you start putting groups of people together. And we don't, we just don't have either right now. Uh, it's, and that's hard for people to understand. It's not an easy thing for people to internalize that these great unknowns in our lives. Now, if you think about it for most of us who are anywhere between, you know, short of sort of the world war II generation, and maybe even, you know, maybe the generation, in my parents' generation, the, the sort of the late the boomers and Vietnam generation, there haven't been many uncertainties in our lives. You know, 9-11 for sure. Mm-hmm. That was something that disturbed all of the things that we'd taken for granted, you know, an attack on American soil. But for right. the most part, you know, we've been able to kind of count on what life is going to be like. And we're not there now. And I was talking with Gene Hooks last week. This is not hockey at all, but Gene Hooks is the 91-year-old former athletic director at Wake Forest. Oh, right. Yes. And uh, he's he's still very sharp and remembers playing against baseball against George H.W. Bush in 1946 uh, or 1947. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he remembers Arnold Palmer going to going to, to to Wake with Arnold Palmer, all that, all that stuff. And I'd asked, he said, yeah, I'm just here in my, my rest home in Wake Forest or Winston-Salem, whatever he called it, his I think you might even call it an old folks home um, locked, locked in my room. Um, you know, just kind of keeping busy looking out the window at the garden. And, and I said, you know, have you is what's this like for you? He's like, I, this is like nothing in my life except maybe the war. And it's crazy to think that we're dealing with something on a scale of, of what, you know, sort of our grandparents, my grandparents generation yeah. went through in world war two. So the idea that we're going to all play hockey in grand forks in Manchester, New Hampshire and Saskatoon, or the idea that the NBA is going to be able to get 16 teams into Las Vegas and, and do things that way. I mean, I think it's nice to talk about this stuff, but the reality is, and college, college athletics, people understand this better than anyone right now, because 
they can't really function without football. And right. they're all trying to do the numbers without football. And people are saying now that we can't do football without fans. If it's not safe for the fans, how is it safe for the players? And the reality is that's true in pro sports as well. Yeah, yeah. The um, this this whole thing has disturbed me. Major League Baseball actually did say that even if somebody tests positive, they would just take that player out. They're going to have expanded rosters, as though. And this further cemented my point that clearly these players are not humans. Uh, they are simply pieces on a chessboard. No, Mike uh, so Gundy, I lost my queen, yeah, but I still have today. a bishop. Mike Gundy today. This, not, not Mike Gundy is not where I would go for insightful analysis of Probably the human condition. Not. He's saying, well, these kids are all 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Let's get them all sick. And then we can play football. Oh, good. Good. So I, well, I, you know, I, mm. we, we have a, a bit of a dysfunction in this country at times with how we approach sports. There's, there's no question about it. Uh, but that to me was, was uh, an exponential version of it. Yeah. Look, I don't think we're going to play games until it's legitimately safe. I, I honestly is when we have a treatment for it or when we have widespread available testing, that's when, yeah. Any of these strange, convoluted concepts of continuation or starting a season, when those two things happen, a treatment and widespread testing, when those two things are in place, I think we can come back and play team sports. Uh, Golf might be a little bit different because if we're not going to have fans, uh, you can do this with minimal people. And golf courses, at least here in North Carolina, have been deemed essential uh, activity because you could still play I mean, golf. Yeah, it's really and, amazing. And horse racing is is still going in a lot of places <laughs> because you have the, the people are going to have to take care of the horses either way, right? Right. Like, you can't just leave the horses in the barns. Like there's going to be people. So if you can get by with that skeleton crew and just add sort of trainers and jockeys because you're going to have grooms and vets and whatever there anyway. Um, you know, Gulf Streams running a bunch of a bunch of parks are running because they basically are going to have those people there anyway. And we know so that they don't really care about the horses anyway. Well, I would I would I would not put it that way necessarily. <laughs> but, you know, the horses are probably safer than the humans in this particular case. Uh, the one given, of the rare you know, times the, the, where the horses are safer than humans. Maybe the only time. <laughs> yeah. All right. One more thing. Uh, and then we'll go. It's, it's one of folded back into the hurricanes. Uh, yeah, at some point we should get yeah. back to talking about. Well, because we started talking about we thought that this team would get would get to it, uh, and it looked like they had. And Morgan Geeky had come up, and I don't think Vinny Trocheck was any revelation with how great he had been playing, but it did give Rod Brindamore a right-handed center, which he had been dying for. Uh, and then Geeky came up and just lit the world on fire for two games, even though he wasn't playing all that much. He was very effective, another right-handed center, and he clearly knows how to play. And then you throw in the fact that Justin Williams uh, became their best forward again, like he did last February and March uh, as they were making that run. Um, I do think that the future does appear to be very bright. We were starting to see uh, you know, a much more consistently good two-way Sebastian Ajo and Svechnikov, who wasn't great, but, you know, uh, we all knew, we all know what he is ultimately going to become. And um, the future looks awfully good. And if Hamilton comes back from the injury and Pesci comes back from his injury, 
I mean, you gotta love what they're uh, what they're their at least their the next three or four years of their future before the rent really comes due on Slavin and Pesci and some others. Yeah, and, and one of the things, you know, there, there's no guarantees, and obviously that you can see that a little bit this year, where everyone after last year just assumed that they would make the playoffs, um, and it hasn't been a smooth path, or it wasn't a smooth path to the point where they ended the season, presumably. Uh, you know, it was a it was a grind and it was a struggle to get back to where they were last year. But you know, when you look at the salary cap and the age of some of these players, and the, you know, the the ceiling for some of them is still pretty high. Um, you know, the, the the you know the defense in particular, um, if those guys can can get healthy and come back and play well, you know, it's a team that is structured not for the short term but for the long term. At least as you point out, until the long term, uh, you know, gets into past some of these contracts that have been signed, but it's, it's a team that's built, you know, to compete in more than one year. I think the one exception is, is goaltending. I right. think there's, you know, you can kind of keep patching the roof there, but at some point, if you're going to be a true contender, you do need to have someone who you trust. Um, they right. don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be Patrick Watt, but you, it, you, it has to be someone that you really trust and you're confident giving the, giving the start, even if they're not playing particularly well, because you know that they they're they're gonna they're gonna show up and do it. And I don't think I don't think they've been there even when, when Mac was at his best last year. There was always that uncertainty. Um so but that's 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 kind of the one thing that's missing. But the rest of it, you know, the way the forwards are structured, you know, I I don't know that Geeky's gonna be an NHL regular, but I think he's a really smart player with really good hands, mm-hmm. um, who if he can upgrade his skating a little bit, you know, becomes a, a real asset. But even if he doesn't, He's already shown he's the kind of guy who can come up for a few games and contribute. And you need those guys too. Yeah. You know, not everybody has to be, uh, you know, a Sebastian Ajo. I mean, you need, you need that full roster and, and whether geeky turns out to be a, a, a good player or a great player or just kind of what he is, that's still someone, you know, a, a good player to have. Um, and, you know, I, I think definitely the book is still open on Trocek um, for the long term, but he certainly filled a need for this team. And, and, you know, you want to compare to, where they were 14 months ago with kind of Victor Rask in that position. Mm. It's a, it's an upgrade. So, you know, by any standard. Uh, so, you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a team that wasn't built for last year. It isn't built for this year. It may not even really be built for next year. Um, it's built for this year and next year and the year after that, and maybe the year after that. And then you got to step back and reassess a little, well, a little I, bit. I, but, you know, that's in a, in a, in a cap league, you know, that's kind of the way you have to do it is, is build in spurts. And, and, you know, I think one thing that people overlook uh, is, you know, they went from, you know, staying pretty well below the cap to, you know, this is going to be a cap team um, for the foreseeable future. And that's, I think, one reason, quite frankly, why they've been more competitive. And, and the, the truth is, is that uh, there's still another year of Andrei Svechnikov at his entry-level contract, even, and I anticipate them signing him to a long-term contract this summer or whenever this season comes to an end. Uh, I do think that they will try to get him done uh, this summer because Tom Dundon learned his lesson with why he, when not doing that with Sebastian Ajo the previous summer. Uh, and we're still two years away from uh, Marty Natchez needing to be taken care of. Um, look, I, I think they're ultimately going to be in pretty good cap shape. I assume that they'll make some moves to kind of shed some money, uh, whether it's Jake Gardner or Nino Niederreiter, uh, if they mm-hmm. can find the right deal, or Ryan Dezingle again, who, who knows. 
Um, but I think they'll they'll figure out a way to to kind of save some money and maybe add a couple of pieces that they need to players who play with a little bit more physicality. They're still a little soft uh, around the middle, if you will, because um, they have to replace the uh, the grinding attitude, believe it or not, that Justin Williams gives them. He's got yeah. edge is what he has. And that's honestly, if you go back to the Capitol series last year, you could see that this this was a team that could beat the Capitals in a seven-game series if everything went right, but right. was was outmanned on that front and needed help there, and they didn't really address it. Um, but yeah, this team has a very skilled core, but it really lacks those players who... And, you know, I think Jordan Martinuk did a little of that before his, his injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily kind of his long-term whatever, but it, it there is kind of a, a, a crying need for... You know, it doesn't have to be a six million dollar guy. No, but but somebody who who you know it it it's not fighting anymore. It's not even necessarily hitting really hard anymore. But just that little edge, a little mental toughness, um, and get under the other guy's skin. And however you do that, whether it's pounding guys into the glass or whatever, you know they just need a little more of that to balance out the skill. If Warren Fogle would just lean into his accidental goonery, <laughs> then that would be a, that would be a part of it because I mean I don't think he realizes that that people around the league thinks think he's a dirty player. I think he's more uh, unaware of his surroundings than anything else. But if he leaned into it, it would be uh, he might even be more effective. Uh, and just that, has absolutely yeah, I, I agree completely. And he just has absolutely the the 100% wrong personality for that, which makes, which is the right personality for a lot of other things in life. Um, but not for being, you know, he's just so unbelievably miscast as a heel, um, that it just doesn't work for him, even though that, you know, the capitals certainly look at him that way and some other teams too. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree completely that that's, that's definitely an area, you know, and and the question is, you know, if you're going to build a team as heavily analytically as the hurricanes typically have, you know, are there guys out there? And I don't know that there are who can do that and <laughs> show up and show up well, right? You know, and numerically, analytically. I mean, I'm I'm sure there are, but maybe they're not at a price you can afford. And and then how do you quantify that, right? You know, because it's not hits and it's not yeah, it's it's a tougher thing to quantify. And I think that's tough to fit into a team that's that's uh, you know heavily analytical in the way they build things. And that's not a criticism by in, in any stretch of analytics. Um, I'm not I'm not one of those people at all. I'm just saying it's not something that's necessarily measurable. No. And then you kind of find yourself maybe going against some of the precepts you've used to build the team. that you Yeah, have. there's there's no column for agitation uh, where you get at the bottom of it. There's a number. There's just there's just no way to quantify that. Um, but that's where that's where there you, you need different voices. Uh, and I think that's where Rod Brindamore kind of speaks in that this is a type of player that we need. Uh, a player that doesn't necessarily compile a lot of points or uh, win the Corsi or Fenwick, uh, although those gen- the, if, if you do the, do it the right way, you probably will, uh, but that those players uh, just make it easier for those the other players to, uh, to do that. All right, so are we going to do this again soon? Absolutely. I, mean, uh, I don't know that we'll have that much more to talk about. But... Uh, we'll figure it out. I love it. Hope you enjoyed the Canes Corner podcast. I'm Adam Gold. We'll be back next week, maybe sooner, depending on who shows up uh, in my conversation queue. 
And uh, who knows, maybe we'll do a mailbag uh, before, uh, before too long. None of us want the offseason to start now, but I think we all have to prepare for the reality that the regular season is probably over. The playoffs will not be uh, completed in any way, and we're into a longer offseason than we as fans deserve. And those uh, the players deserve. The players deserve better, too. Uh, so, hope everyone is uh, doing well, washing your hands, hand sanitizing, uh, staying at home, social distancing, all of that. And we'll see you next time on the Canes Corner Podcast. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Are you unhappy with your CPAP provider? Did you know you can easily switch providers right now? I'm Megan Giggling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. We are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Contact us today. We ship anywhere in North Carolina. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health.